If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Devraga Personal Finance, episode 100. And in this episode, I want to share with you how I got to 100 episodes and what my initial goals were for this channel. Then in the latter part of the episode, I want to do a deep dive into the 10 most important things you could do when it comes to personal finance. If you haven't listened to my episodes before, this might be the only episode you will ever need to listen to. So stay tuned. Now, if you're new to this podcast channel, the aim of this channel is to do three things. is to get educated about personal finances and improve your financial literacy. And using that knowledge, feel empowered so that when you go and speak to someone like your financial advisor or your accountant, that you feel empowered that you're using language that you understand. And lastly, to be entertained. Now, just a disclaimer, I'm not a financial advisor. I'm not an accountant. I'm not a lawyer, nor am I a financial planner. Make sure you take any financial decisions you want to make to your appropriate advisors prior to implementing them if you've heard it on this episode's. Now, if you're stuck on what to do in terms of broad principles and concepts, here are some simple steps to get you in the right track when it comes to saving, investing, and personal finance in general. In my humble view, there are five easy steps which anybody could follow. Step one is pay yourself first. It means take 20% of your after-tax money and put it aside. That is your pay yourself money never to be touched ever again. Step two is invest that money, ideally into something that you understand or want to understand. For me, I just invest in index funds because I understand index funds. Step three is you have to reinvest dividends. The power of compounding is real. And step four is you've got to do it for the long term. So do it for not 5, 10 or 15 years, do it for like 20, 30 or even 40 plus years. Step five is you've got to automate these steps as much as you possibly can for the long term. In other words, do it forever. The more automation, the less chances of actually missing out on any of these steps. If you did these five steps and did it for the long term and started as early as you possibly can, you're more likely to have more money than you'll ever need. And remember, money is just a tool. It doesn't bring happiness. It doesn't bring joy. Use it as a tool to make your life a little bit better, but most importantly, to make the lives of people around you a lot better. Now to the main topic. What is my journey with respect to this podcast channel? Now, first of all, when did it start? It actually started on the 21st of July back in 2018. And this is actually not my first podcasting gig. Uh, I'm a doctor and I regularly teach GP registrars, and I have done podcast episodes about the RACGP fellowship exams, which is available via SoundCloud. So, and I've also done a fair bit of talking for GP registrar workshops. And I also talk about the tips and tricks for their upcoming fellowship exams. 
Now, to all the GP registrars around Australia, there's about 1,100 of you. Some of you may be listening to this. I know your exams are happening in a few days' time, so all the best and good luck for your future. So my thing about podcasting was having about a systems-based approach to learning when it comes to the RACGP trio of exams. And what I've done is I've tried to create a system um, for personal finance as well. And I've tried to apply the same sort of concepts to personal finance. Because having a system means that you're less likely to do things that are you know, bad to the patient. And having a system for your personal finance means you're less likely to do mistakes or do the wrong thing when it comes to money. So why did I start this? I actually didn't start this podcast channel because I wanted to, you know, get a lot of people on board. I actually started it because I wanted to make sure that my two young kids um, had a blueprint when it comes to financial independence and also when it comes to financial literacy. So in the rare event that I'm not around to teach them later in life, and I think and I strongly believe that kids need to learn about money. I think that's really, really important because for whatever reason, money or personal finance or financial principles is not taught in schools, is not taught in universities as part of your curriculum, is not taught in VCAL, it's not taught in trade schools, yet literally the whole world revolves around the monetary system. Now, I'm not saying money is the most important thing in your life, but it is important Um, I think you can't live life ignoring money issues. And I've always found it very surprising that it's not overly taught in our junior school and senior school and university curriculum. And it certainly isn't taught in medical school. So I did 10 episodes, which was about the basics of personal finance. Then I floated it to a few people. And uh, I called it the 10 episode series and I told these people to have a listen to it, to see what they thought, to see if they found it interesting, whether they found anything that they've learnt from the episodes. And what happened was the feedback that I got was they actually found it useful, particularly the pay yourself model. They had never heard of it before. And I've been doing this for many, many years in my own personal finances. Then it kind of caught on and it evolved into financial principles and concepts. Now, I'm not a financial advisor, so I don't give any financial advice on any of the episodes, but the aim is to empower the listener with enough knowledge so that they can go and do some homework, do their own research, and perhaps get a financial advisor or talk to their accountant about some of the concepts and principles that I talk about. Now, some of the questions that I've had in relation to my podcast channel over the several months to years is where do I actually podcast from? And is it a complex setup? I've had a couple of people approach me um, in recent times who want to, you know, create their own podcast channel, which is fantastic. The more, the merrier, I say. Um, Now, the answer to that question is I podcast from wherever I can. Um, And most of the time I actually sit in my car. The acoustics of my Tesla is actually quite good. Um, I don't drive on podcasts. I don't put it on autopilot and podcasts, much to the contrary belief. Um, literally, whenever I have any spare time, I podcast. And I get a lot of questions. And if the questions have a relevant concept about personal finance, 
I take that topic and I expand on it. So a lot of the topics that I've talked about um, are actually stemming from questions that I've had and questions that I've had in my own life or also questions that I've had to field from listeners who've contacted me uh, about you know topic suggestions. And I really encourage people, if you want me to talk about a particular topic, just Facebook me and I'll research about it and I'll talk about it. And I think the whole point of this episode is to try and talk about financial principles and concepts in as basic format as possible and make it as relevant as possible to Australia and also personal finance. Um, now, I make notes um, as part of my episodes, and uh, but most of my talking in these episodes is actually free-for-all. So I don't have exact words, you know, typed out. I have a little bit of notes, um, you know, maybe a couple of pages per episode. And I basically do one take. Uh, I don't edit any of my podcasts. I literally start and finish the episode in the time that I speak. I don't have any sound effects. I don't do anything fancy with my episodes. I don't have an interlude. I don't have intros and exits. Um, I don't have any guests and it's something probably I need to start thinking about um, and I really appreciate, I know some listeners have contacted me uh, and some fans have contacted me about having some guests and I know that some very you know prominent financial planners and advisors and accountants, um, uh, medical and non-medical people have contacted me to have them on the show uh, and I appreciate that. I'm just not ready for it just yet but it's something that will happen I think hopefully in the near future. So most of my episodes are basically just me talking and I use examples to try and highlight the important points and concepts and I think examples are very, very important when it comes to finance because you can use as much jargon, as much language as you possibly can unless you put examples in, unless you put it into principles and trying to highlight specific things using personal examples, um, it doesn't hit home and I think that's one of the benefits and that's one of the feedbacks that I've received from a lot of my listeners who say that the concepts are great, but when they're explained in the context of an example, it just hits home and they get that and they grasp it and that's what makes it all the more enjoyable. Um, I don't have a podcasting studio. Um, I don't have a podcasting mic. Uh, I don't have awesome lights or soundboards. It's literally me talking into my phone. So one of the things that I get asked about is, Dev, why is there repetition at the start of the podcast in each episode? Uh, You may notice that there's a fair bit of repetition uh, for the first couple of minutes. And I just want to share with you a personal story. Um, And if my physics professor in year 12 is listening, Dr. Pepper, um, if you're listening, shout out to you, because I think he was the one that really changed the way that I remembered things and I used those sort of study techniques in my year 12 exams and also throughout my year 12 and also throughout my medical school that enabled me to do pretty well in high school and also do well um, in uh, medical school as well. Um, so bit of a bit of a, you know, um, I guess soft brag is I won the Physics Academic Excellence Award in high school and he was my physics professor. I loved mathematics and physics. And what he told me was very simple. He said, repeat things, uh, and if you do it often enough, it gets ingrained into your brain. And when you study, revise previous topics before you start the new topic. So by the time exam time comes, 
you have already done most of the work. Um, And that's basically what I'm trying to emulate in medicine and also in this financial podcast series. Because I want people to understand that personal finance is not complicated. It is actually quite simple. And people think, especially doctors, uh, I know a lot of the listeners are doctors, but I know a lot of non-medical people that listen to these episodes. um, I want them to understand that personal finance is not difficult. It just needs a little bit more effort, a little bit more planning, and it needs an automatic set and forget approach. So the more I repeat it, if you take nothing else from any of the episodes, I want you to take the first five minutes and literally... That's pretty much all you need to know when it comes to personal finance and investing in your life. So that's why there's a fair bit of repetition. I always like to write things down as well as part of reminder series. I'm a great fan of mind maps. I'm a great fan of writing little notes to myself to try and remind myself of specific concepts. And that includes medical or non-medical or financial or whatever it is. Even it's a, it's a cooking recipe. I like to write it down. Because if you don't write it down, if you don't write it down and read it, you're not going to remember it. So if you are a student in any profession listening to these episodes, write it down. Revise each topic before you start a new topic. And you'll be amazed how little effort that you need to make for your end of year exams and how things become very, very easy when you do that technique. So shout out to Dr. Pepper. Thank you very much for that. And in terms of repetition, it's also very relevant in actual medicine, in actual clinical medicine. Because in medicine, we have technical skills and we have non-technical skills. We have drills, we have operations, we have resuscitations. And the non-technical skills that are involved in these team-based activities is incredible. Now, I've been involved in resuscitations and operations in the past. And when things go well, it's not the clinical technicalities that matter. It is all the non-technical things, the helicopter view of the situation that often makes a big difference to that resuscitation or to the operation. So a lot of the doctors would probably understand what I mean is when you have a look at the way the pit stops work in Formula One, the person at the start, uh, at at the front of the Formula One car, he or she is the boss. They control, they have the helicopter view of the entire pit stop. And everyone who changes the tires, who cleans the rims or who, you know, refuels the car, they have a set duty and they practice and practice and practice. But no one does anything different and the driver, including the driver, until the person at the front tells them what to do. And that sort of non-technical skills is really important. And we see that in medicine all the time, practicing drills, drills, drills. And that's what I'm trying to emulate in these personal financial episode channels. And repetition is practice and practice is repetition. And that makes implementation a lot easier. So when it comes to personal finance, I use the same principles. I try and implement systems in place so that I don't have to keep thinking about things individually. And it just happens automatically. Hence why I talk about the five steps, the pay yourself, invest, reinvest dividends, do it for the long term and always automate. These principles are timeless. If you come back 50 years and listen to this episode, I feel that it would still be relevant in personal finance. Then basically, I started opening a Facebook page, which a lot of people followed. 
I went on Twitter and Instagram and more recently LinkedIn. And I started sharing my episodes and a few people contacted me uh, and invited me to post on their Facebook group because what they heard resonated with them. And from that, um, more and more people followed me, more and more people listened to my episodes, shared it. um, And uh, basically, that's how the message has been slowly filtering through in the internet sphere, I guess, in a way. And the aim here is to get people involved in paying attention to their finances because financial literacy is very important. And then the questions started coming in. As the channel grew, questions started coming in. Now, I don't provide personal financial advice. I'm just a random doctor blabbering on about principles and concepts via a podcasting medium. So I would break about their question and just provide answers using tools and principles that I know and concepts that I've read up on. This helped them. And that also helped me because when I do that, I learn. And it means that it gets them engaged to see their advisor or their accountant and be able to communicate at a level which makes it easier for them. Now, my aim has never been to replace any of the accountants or financial advisory services. I simply can't. I don't have the credentials, nor do I have the interest in studying to be a financial planner at this stage. Then what happened was something very interesting, and this has happened more so in 2020 when COVID hit, because a lot of people were worried about their finances. Then the financial advisors and planners, some of them, started plugging into my Facebook page and started contacting me explaining what I'm doing is the right thing. Actual accountants, financial advisors, planners started listening to my episodes And they started following it and they contacted me and said, this is actually quite good and they may actually recommend it to their clients if it's relevant. So they kind of figured that I'm not in direct competition with them. I don't sell anything. And this was even more validation for me to proceed with the channel. Then medical students started contacting me, junior doctors started listening to my podcast, registrars started contacting me. Then senior doctors started contacting me. And then the channel spread to registrars, residents, and senior doctors as well started listening to it. And then interestingly enough, more recently, when I've started referring patients, some of the doctors would ask, are you Devraga? Which I thought was pretty interesting, presumably because they could recognise the voice. And others who I speak to have recommended my podcast to me because they don't know who I am because my real name is not Devraga, which is great. Um, I do like the somewhat anonymity at the moment, Um, just a random person on the internet podcasting about personal financial concepts and principles. Uh, Who knows, one day I might be a bit more open about it. I guess where to from here? I'm not sure. Um, A lot of people have contacted me about why not having advertisers or sponsors. I'm open to that, but I don't want it to dominate the podcast channel. I've been approached by some people, but they just can't seem to digest the fact that I provide this for free of charge. I don't charge for my episodes. I don't get paid to do this. I do have merchandise which listeners can buy to support the channel, but that's not compulsory. 
Um, they're Devraga mugs that you can purchase via the Facebook page if you're interested, and I'll post it out to you. They make for great Christmas presents. But the aim here is to continue doing what I'm doing and see what pans out. I literally started this channel with a phone and me. It's still the same. There's nothing fancy about it. There's nothing special about it at all. Now, before I finish up with my journey, I want to leave leave you with one simple thought. If you plan your meetings, plan your day, plan your holidays, plan which car or which phone you're going to buy, and watch endless YouTube reviews on your next resort stay or airplane travel. If you plan to do all of these things, and I do, then it's time to plan your finances. Championship sports teams don't win championships by accident. They prepare, they plan, they practice. It's not an accident, and your personal finance shouldn't be an accident. Not many people accidentally become wealthy. And remember, money is just a tool, and I say this all the time. Use it as a tool to make your life a little bit better, but most importantly, the lives of people around you a lot better. So that's my journey. It's been fun. 100 episodes. Thanks again for the support and well wishes. Now, suppose you need a simple 10-step plan when it comes to managing your finances. Here are the basic principles to consider. The first step is, as you know, you've got to pay yourself first. You are the most important person in your life. And what I've calculated is, rather than the 5 or 10% or 15% of pay yourself money, you need to pay yourself about 20% of after-tax income. And you don't need to immediately take that money and start investing, but you need to get into the habit of paying yourself that money and setting it aside as soon as the money comes in. You need to get into that habit. Step two is you've got to have an emergency fund. Now, in my view, there are two types of emergency funds, the immediate emergency fund for little things, and that usually means $1,000 set aside, liquid cash, ready to access easily. And you need to have some sort of a three to 12 month emergency fund, which can be either expenses or income. I prefer income. I know 12 months is a long time, but again, 2020 is a classic example of how things can strike when emergencies can happen. Pandemics just happen randomly. So you've got to have emergency funds. Now, people ask me, should I be investing that money? No. You don't invest your emergency fund. Um, You can have it against your mortgage. You can have it, you know, offset in your offset account and that, you know, saves you interest. That's fine. Um, But you can't be investing it outside of that because it's just too risky. It's for emergencies. Step three is you've got to take that 20% of income that you've saved up and you've got to put it into an investment. You've got to do it early. This is probably the most important step you need to do and you need to do it today. You need to learn about investing. Now, for me, I just invest in the stock market. Um, I have a few investment properties. It's simple. It's effective. It's easy. Uh, And when it comes to stock market, I just buy index funds. I just do it via Vanguard. And but you can do what suits you. But you need to invest. To keep money sitting around under the mattress or in the bank account forever is not a good investment. 
No matter what people say to you, cash is not king when it comes to non-emergencies. Yes, cash, cash is king when it comes to emergencies, no doubt about it. But if you've got money outside of the emergency fund, it needs to be working for you rather than you working for it. Step four is something that a lot of Australians don't do, and certainly a lot of doctors don't do this, and that is to maximise your superannuation. Superannuation in Australia is a marvellous tax-saving strategy, and it's a great retirement planner. And you can maximise superannuation by contributing $25,000 every year as concessional contributions, and that money gets taxed at a preferential rate of 15%, and you can build up your portfolio up to $1.6 million and then live off that in retirement tax-free. So, and even after that, if you have more than $1.6 million, you get preferentially taxed at 15%. So superannuation is a very good tax-effective retirement vehicle. Yes, it's long-term. And yes, you can't touch the money as easily as investments outside of super. But if you did nothing else maximise your superannuation. No matter what people say, and this is step five, is you never borrow consumer debt. Consumer debt is dumb. Yes, you can buy credit cards, sorry, you can buy things using credit cards and not pay any interest, but the chances are you're going to be spending a little bit more on your credit card because credit cards are frictionless transactions. Yes, you can have, you know, 2.5% balance transfer from credit card A to credit card B, and you can do all that sort of whiz-bang sort of stuff. But the chances are you just need one slip-up and you get trapped in a debt cycle. It's not worth the risk. So generally speaking, consumer debt is dumb. Step six is you've got to keep your investment fees as low as possible. So you've got to ask yourself, when you invest in something, what are you getting in return? What fees are getting charged? And what service are you being charged for? In one of my episodes a few months ago, I speak about a GP that had superannuation fees of about 0.7%. Now, it was industry super fund. That was all right. But then on top of that, he was being charged a percent of advisor fees. And he contacted me and he said, I don't know why I'm being charged for these fees. And I said, I don't know either. What sort of advice do you get? And he said, I don't get any advice. So all he had to do was ring up the superannuation company and ask them what advice he's giving them such that to justify fees of a percent on top of the management fees. And they said, we're actually not providing you any advice. Sorry, we'll stop the fees. That was 1% that he was paying for about, I think, five or six years before he started noticing it. So look at your statement, whether it's superannuation or investments outside of superannuation, or even rental statements to make sure that your real estate agent is not charging you all sorts of fees. And you've got to ask yourself, what service are you getting for those fees? So keep your fees as low as possible. Now, Tony Robbins says this really, really nicely. Fees are like this, right? I'll take your money, I'll invest it for you. If I make money, I make money. Sorry, if you make money, I make money. If you lose money, I make money. If you don't make any money, I still make money. And not only that, if you lose money, I'll take up to 60% of your total net portfolio over the long term in fees. 
That's the difference between having a 0.1% MER and 3% MER. That's management expense ratio. So fees are killers. Stay away from high fee investments. Make sure that you automate your investments. That's steps number seven. This is probably one of the most important things you need to do and understand. This creates less errors, less chances of mistakes, more chances of sticking to the plan. And studies have shown, actually, dead people tend to be the best investors because they've got no ways of touching their investments. So make sure that you have some sort of structure or system to automate your investments. Now, I know with ETFs, you might not be able to automate the whole process, but the less chances that you have of stuffing it up, the more chances that you have of being successful when it comes to investing, particularly with long-term investing. Step eight is reinvest the dividends, never cash it out. Now, I know some of you are probably aiming for FIRE, FIRE, or Financial Independence Retire Early, and you want to cash out your dividends to be able to, you know, take a few years off. My strategy is not that. My strategy about FIRE is not about retiring for medicine early. It's about having flexibility in your work options. That's what FIRE really is about. You don't have to work full-time the rest of your life. You can work part-time. So, for the most part, try not to touch your dividends. Try to let it go back into the investments and make sure that you tell your ETF provider or your share registry provider or your index fund provider or stock portfolio provider, whatever it is, that you want to reinvest your dividends and you don't want it cashed out into your savings. That's really important. Ignore the financial media. Reinvest dividends. Now, step nine is you've got to have a long-term strategy and stick to a simple budget. You don't need to itemize every single expense. I don't. I drink a lot of coffee. I don't care how much money that I spend on coffee, really, because I've paid myself 20% when the money hits my bank account. So I just use simple rules. So I use the 30-30-20-20 budget, which is basically 30% of mortgage rent, housing expenses, 30% expenses in general for lifestyle, 20% of pay yourself money, which you've already done, and 20% of luxury miscellaneous expenses. Now, when you want to buy a car, my general rule is don't spend more than 20% of your after-tax income in a yearly sense to buy a car. And leasing a car for personal use is silly. It's dumb. Try and avoid leasing cars. Doctors do it all the time. If it's for your business, now this is not a business podcast and I understand that leasing your car for business might be worth it and I completely understand that. But if you're not using it for your business, if you're just using it for your personal pleasure, then leasing a car is spending money that you don't have and it's just a waste of money. Don't do it. And lastly, number 10 is realise that money is just a tool Use it as a tool to make your life better and most importantly, the lives of people around you better. Now, I've spoken to people worth $50 million plus and what they say is something very similar. Money just gives you options. Some options are better than others. It hasn't made them any more happier. And I guess reflecting on my own life, now I'm nowhere near worth $50 million plus. I wish I was, 
but I'm not poor. I'm thankful, I'm lucky, I have a good living, I have a good wage, and my net worth has increased this year despite the pandemic. But reflecting on that, I don't think I'm any more happier this year than I was as a poor medical student turning off that heater overnight and getting up four o'clock every morning to turn it back on because I was so afraid of not being able to afford to pay the electricity bill. I think I was just as happy back then as what I am now. And I reflect on this with my family all the time. And I think that can't be clouded. I think that's really important that we understand that happiness is completely different to being wealthy. That is literally it. That is 10 simple steps to get your finances in order. I wanted to do a back to basics episode and that's what this has been about. Finances need not be complicated. It's these timeless principles and concepts which you need to master. I get so many questions about companies, tax efficiency, trust structures, financial advisors. Look, all of that's fine. I'm not against all of that. But you need to master the basics first. You need to crawl before you walk. You need to walk before you jog and you need to jog before you sprint. And sometimes, and certainly that's very true in my case, the simplest pathway is often the best pathway. Thank you very much for listening. This is episode 100. Please give me a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts or any podcasting app that you're using. It really does help promote the podcast and the algorithm so more people can download and listen to the episodes. And it really helps the algorithm so that other people can find these episodes and channel as well. And if you really want, leave a review too. And as promised, reviews will be read in an episode. And that theme, here is a review I found from Laksh29, who says, very informative and easy to understand and applicable to an Australian audience. Thank you very much, Laksh. And yes, part of the aim of this channel is to break down complex financial concepts and principles and make it digestible for the average audience. Remember to like the Devraga Facebook page and follow me out on, online if you, if you want. Shout out to questions and comments and topic suggestions. Share this channel with family and friends and hit that subscribe button. That's really important uh, on Apple Podcast, Anchor App, CastBox, Spotify, Google Podcast, Player FM, and many more podcasting apps or directly listening to it via devraga.com. And remember, always pay yourself first. Take 20% of your after-tax income and put it aside. And 100 episodes. Wow. Thank you very much. This is Devraga Personal Finance, episode 100. And as always, please stay safe. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.